listener exclusive. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Cup Summer Edition. I'm Charlie Clawson and this is my club where I sit down with some well-known Aussies to talk about the clubs they love and sometimes hate. And this week... My guest is, well, I always get nervous when I have a football expert on the show, uh, but this guest has claimed that she's no longer an expert when it comes to the th- all things Fremantle Dockers. Narrowly Meadows, welcome back to Two Guys, One Cup. Thank you very much for having me. Yes, I'm actually quite excited about this because for years I was obviously knowing all the ins and outs of everything um, footy related, but I haven't actually worked on it the last three seasons because I've been doing the Indian Premier League cricket instead, which takes up a couple of months of, um, of the season. So I'm basically like a casual beer drinking footy goer that has the occasional meat pie and claims that when I go to the game and a player who was drafted last year does well, that I knew him all <laughs> along and spotted him in the first place. So it's kind of fun. I just, my brother, who yeah. you know, um, has moved to Melbourne and we just get to go to the footy together for fun. So it's actually, I do miss working on it, but I've got to say it's it's actually kind of fun just being the diehard supporter, isn't it? Well, yeah. So you're now two Western Australians uh, living in Melbourne. What's the experience like of going to the football at the G as opposed to say Optus Stadium or what was Subiaco? Like what's the, what's the cultural differences with Victorian and Western Australian football fans? I think a lot of the time in Victoria, you've got a crowd that's a little more even, a little less parochial than when in WA, obviously it's a, it's a long way away and either it's Frio or it's West Coast, even the the Western Derbies tend to, you know, be sold to those retrospective members. But then occasionally, of course, you get the games like, you know, Richmond Tigers up against GWS where it's <laughs> the most one-sided crowd you've ever got. But, yeah, I think for us it's kind of more just fun because it's been a while since we've lived in the in the same city and we just get to go and um, enjoy ourselves. And he's an actor, so he still gets recognised for the Moody's, which I find brilliant. Um, <laughs> we went to the footy last year at Marvel, actually, and, and a woman came off. I just love the Moody's. It's my favourite. So that was cool. But it's just nice having that brother-sister time, isn't it? I know like, a lot of siblings sort of drift apart as they get older, but I think um, my brother and I have sort of done the opposite, especially now that we're living back in Melbourne together. Well, that's a great thing about footy as well. Like, I mean, your family is different in the sense that, you know, you back for two different teams. My family are all Saints. So it's the perfect excuse to catch up. Like even last year, I emceed the Saints Best and Fairest. And so I was able to get tickets for my brother and my sister who I hadn't seen in a couple of months. And it's like, oh, this is great. This is the thing that people who don't 
Like my wife is not really into sport at all. And especially, you know, Aussie rules is kind of foreign to her. The thing that I try to explain to her is like the the ties that bind. You know, it's the history of going to the games with your family or, you know, you remember the first time your mum or your dad took you to a game and, you know, I got given five bucks and I was allowed to go get a meat pie and a donut because you could actually get a meat pie and a donut for five bucks back in the day. It's so true. It's so true. There's so many of my childhood memories, whether it's going to Perth Wildcats games, um, traveling up from the country to Perth um, with my cousins and my brothers or going, uh, driving all the way to the Wacker and sitting on the hill and, and watching WA play in a, in a Shield game or a one-day game with my brothers. Um, there are so many moments that, to me, sport is my relationship with my brothers in, in so many ways. Like, for example, our WhatsApp group um, with a siblings WhatsApp group literally is just all about Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all we talk about. And with anyone who knows NBA, with Kevin Durant and Mikhail Bridges leaving, KD coming in, like there's been a lot of chatter on the siblings group at the moment. No one has an idea if somebody's off the surgery <laughs> or somebody's, you know, just got a job promotion or something. It is only about the Phoenix Suns. So, yes, I totally agree with you that that connection through sport is special and I don't really know why, but I love it. Yeah. Well, I think that my wife's observation is like, oh, after seeing me talk to like my friends, she's like, oh, it gives you a, a reason to talk to each other that isn't awkward. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's true, especially with blokes. And my brother's you know, they're, they're pretty good, but occasionally they're a bit useless at staying in touch. And so this is, it's that common ground to be able to just check in. And particularly with NBA, it's funny when you like properly follow a team, you realize how damn often they play. Yeah. So we're Especially in contact NBA. now every couple of days. And occasionally, you know, my brother will send her a video of one of my nephews playing basketball. And so it will delve in a little bit to the more emotional stuff, but it's still got basketball involved. <laughs> it's um, a safe space. It's a safe space to connect. You're right. It's, it's kind of cool that, yeah, we have that common ground together. And, and once again, like I say, I, like I'm the youngest and I'm 37 now. So we're, we're at that generation where you can start to get your own lives and, and sort of become less close. So to have the common ground like sport and Kevin Durant is, <laughs> is nice. It's nice because that's something that's carried through for, you know, 30 years from our childhood that we loved the Suns. So, yeah. Well, 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 we're here to talk about the Fremantle Dockers. And it's interesting that you say like in the last three years, this sort of attention has been taken away by work and other things because if there was ever a time to be a Dockers fan, it feels like now. I mean, last year, I think maybe second only to Collingwood, Frio were the, you know, that was, that was the kind of heartwarming, you know, story is, is seeing this like team that has sort of been struggling around in mediocrity for a few years, changed coaches, went to the draft, and suddenly the fruits of your labor are being realized. I, I did send you a few texts last year, but I wasn't sure what like continent you're in, what <laughs> hemisphere. <laughs> But you always seem to be like, every time it was a good win by Frio and I texted you, you always seem to have caught the game. But that's what I mean. Like there's something fun about just being a fan and not having right. to worry about the, the news angles to it. Yes. I can just chime in, chime out game day, happy days, move on. And yeah. so it's kind of fun. I'd be in Pakistan or India or the US or wherever it was in the world and I'd just tune in. And, and watch that specific game. I, I remember there was one where I was traveling through Italy and it was early in the morning. We, need, we needed to win. And I just sort of sat the phone on the sort of patio area out in, in Italy 
and the Duomo was sort of the cathedral was just there and I was just watching the footy with the, with the oh, cathedral over there and it was you know there's something really fun about doing that whether you're working or on on holidays but yeah you're right the, the position that Frio is in right now I sort of say that there's in sport there's this magical moment where youthful exuberance and talent meets self-belief. Mm. And I feel like that is what clicked for Frio last year. I feel like Frio maybe were about a year ahead. Um, they certainly did better than, as you say, than a lot of people expected and I think even a lot of fans expected. But I think they, they had the talent, they had the exuberance and now they're realising, oh, wow, no, we're, we could do this. And you spoke about the coach, JL. Um, he's such a lovely man. Like he's the type of man that I don't know him particularly well or anything, but he'll reach out to you when you're having a tough time. He's that kind of, you know, kind, right. softly spoken human um, that, you know, doesn't necessarily have all the words and the, and the gift of the gab, but has all of the thoughts and follows through on those kind thoughts. It's so interesting where coaching has gone, or at least the way coaches are perceived these days. Like, obviously, you know, Russ Lyon has come across to the Saints from Frio, and I've listened to a lot of the interviews he's done, a lot of the statements, and everyone like, is joking about Cuddly Ross. It's Cuddly Ross. And I think it is interesting that even someone like him, who, you know, built his reputation on being like hard-nosed and hard-line, has come to sort of accept with three years out of football and, you know, pursuing other interests and being able to analyze it, kind of like what you've been doing, really, sort of just being able to enjoy the game without having, you know, too much onus put on him, that he's sort of come back into it saying, well, yeah, I, you just can't be that sort of hard-nosed drill sergeant anymore. You've got to be able to delegate. And you've also, the, the skill of coaching is knowing what techniques work for certain players. And I think that you know, what Justin Longmuir has done with this side, because obviously you've got at the top end of talent, like with your Andrew Brayshaws and your Nat Fives, you've got guys who are clearly self-motivated, you know, and, and you don't really need to put that work in. But then the way he's nurtured the other players, I guess what you'd sort of call your um, role players or maybe your sort of B to B plus players, they're the players that really elevated Frio last year. I think the win that made the AFL stand up and take notice was when you beat Melbourne. I watched that game. And there was just this kind of, it was like, you know, when you watch a, a movie and someone walks into an old West bar and everyone just sort of slowly turns their head, <laughs> like the football was on and everyone just, yeah, everyone just assumed that Melbourne was going to win that game. And then when Freo started to get on top, like the entire pub, I just like turned and watched the TV and it was like, oh, wow. Like you're seeing a team come of age. And the other thing is people are realizing that we're actually fun to watch because yes. Freo have never really had that label, fun to watch and winning. Um, mm. And so that's really fun for us as supporters <laughs> that we can, you know, get close to or over that triple figure mark in, in most games. And, yeah, yeah I think, um, like you say, the hard-nosed coaches, I, I think there's a whole, ge without getting too deep, I think there's a whole generation of particularly men right now who are doing that reflection that huh, mm. maybe the way that we used to do it wasn't the only way, wasn't necessarily the best way and there is a way forward and you either move with the times or you get left behind. And we're seeing that across all sports right now, right? JL in other sports mm. in, in cricket sort of suffered from that. Um, you know, you've got Alistair Clarkson right now doing the same thing that Ross Lyon is. And so I think it's hard for these guys to have had success the way that they do it and think that they can do that again. But that's yeah. not how the world works, right? And unless you are the boss boss, like the CEO boss, and there are still plenty of those, 
you kind of need to, to change with the way, like the times to, to have that success. And yeah, I think like there was an example of it the other day with, I was so proud of JL because. Sorry, is, are we calling him JL now? Is that the, is that the accepted, is it JL? Like I didn't realize that that was his nickname or <laughs> you just, you've just dropped will, it a couple I, of times and I feel like maybe I'm not, I don't I have the inside baseball, but it's JL, is it? <laughs> it's not Justin. It's, it's JL. Mr. But Long yeah, I mean, JL. Let's call him JL. I'm down with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard too because clearly we have a lot of him in Western Australia with Justin Langer and Justin Longer, but yeah. yes, JL is what. Sorry, no, no, I, no I like it. Yeah, there was an example a couple of weeks or a couple of days ago where um, some of the you know players had been traded out. Lob and Logue had not been all that pleasant or pro- um, positive, I should say. Sorry mm. about their experience. And JL was asked about that in an interview, and his response was, "Well, to me, that's feedback. That's feedback." And he was not defensive about it. I don't know. Maybe when he first heard it, maybe he was, but. He just said, that's feedback. That's, that's, I should be doing things differently then. And I just thought, that's cool. Because can you imagine one of the old school coaches back in the day being told that and going, oh, that's feedback. <laughs> they would have gone, oh, yeah, stuff him, you know. Like, yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a new age, as you were saying, um, way of looking at things and, and coaching. Yeah, and also, like, it's, it feels like with Frio, I mean, part of it was um, circumstance because you had – West Coast just have one of the most diabolical seasons ever with injury, COVID, all that kind of stuff. And so it felt like Fremantle were thrust into the sort of spotlight, you know, as the premier team in WA. And it was like, we haven't seen that for about 10 years, you know, since you're you're contending for a grand final. Like the idea that Fremantle is like uh, the ambassadors for the West when it comes to your AFL team. But I really felt like there was something different about this Frio. And to me, it was epitomized in Andrew Brayshaw. Like, talk about your complete footballer, not just in the way what he does in the field, but, you know, the way he presents himself. I I don't know. Maybe I slept on Andrew Brayshaw for a bit, but I I didn't realize he was going to be as good as he actually proved to be last year. I think that's a classic case of without sounding too rude of you do it at Frio and no one notices. I don't know whether I told this story last time I was on your podcast, but Lockie Neal is the great example of that. Lockie Neal was, has always been a gun player who produces every single week. And he only became recognised once he moved to Brisbane of all places. <laughs> but yeah. you, you move to the East Coast in whatever capacity and you make a move and then all of a sudden people pay attention. And it was hilarious because I was sending him photos at the time of, um, you know, the like the big full-page photos of Brownlow favourite and all this. And I'm like, oh, but apparently you can, you can play now. And he was like, <laughs> he, he jokingly said to me, yeah, I, apparently I've also been nominated for the NAB Rising Star Award. <laughs> <laughs> I quite appreciated that from Lockie Neal. People just don't get recognised at Frio by the wider press very often. Occasionally there are exceptions, right? Um, I was also <laughs> messaging Lockie Neal the other day, actually, not to bring the Suns back into it, but to bring the Suns back into it to say congratulations for the captaincy of Brisbane. I said, it still hurts me though. And he, he was like, you know, your Frio will be fine, like they're, they're flying and I said it, I, it hurts me equal to the amount of Mikhail Bridges leaving Phoenix. <laughs> I said, although having said that, I had a dream about moving to Brooklyn the day that Mikhail Bridges <laughs> was traded. I said, and I've never had a dream about moving to Brisbane. So <laughs> he was like, I'm willing to take the number two mantle. That's okay. Um, 
But yeah, I think Andy Brayshaw is a gun, has been a gun for, for quite a while and obviously has yeah. a calibre with the family. But yeah, we we've got some we've got some special players. Yeah, no, it's really exciting. And the fact that you can you've got the luxury now of sort of Nat Fife coming back and it's like, oh geez, like what do we do with him? You know, maybe we just play him as like a forward now, just like a permanent forward or pinch hit in the midfield. It's interesting though, because Fife is so you can sort of see in the interviews that he's done over the summer, like he's such a someone who pursues excellence and, you know, really is like a, a high achiever. You can sort of see him having to cognitively reframe what his new role is. And you see this a lot with kind of superstars when they're getting towards, you know, the end of their career. You know, if it's a midfielder, they get moved to halfback. You know, if they're like a, a forward, maybe they're sort of like positioned as the second tall forward instead of like the key forward. But I just think that Nat Fife, he's so easy to forget about because he's had so many injuries over the past couple of years. But imagine having him as like your third option in the forward line. Like that's going to be really, really exciting if he can stay fit, of course. Yeah, and it's such a great point that you make because I think ego can sometimes get in the way of making the right decisions. And in some ways, maybe that those injuries were sort of a silver lining and and um, not a silver lining, but like an, an opportunity there because it's a, I imagine, a humbling experience for Nat Fife, right? That he's yeah. out for so long and he goes from being clearly the best player in the team to all of a sudden they're winning well, con- like consistently without him. So he has that um, factual evidence to watch mm. on from while he's in rehab, which then gives him motivation to get even better if that's possible, but also yeah. goes, okay, well, this, this is what I wanted. I wanted a good yeah. team that forces me to earn my spot. So now yeah. it's time to, to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about and him relinquishing the captaincy and things like that and being open to move into the forward line rather than be a midfielder. I, I think it's we've seen a lot of growth from Nat Fife and maybe he yeah. takes on that sort of big brother role and, um, you know, almost like, different but almost like Dangerfield when he came to Geelong he had to take that step back and and wasn't going to be the captain he's now mm-hmm. but you know that second to, to Joel Selwood a little bit different but that it, when you're so used to being the best player and the biggest leader it, I think it can be a test of character. Well that Fife has got nothing to worry about like he's got his property portfolio he's probably got his pilot's license like he's got a life outside of football no matter what he wants to do this is the perfect opportunity for him to just enjoy football exactly. like rather than have the weight of you know Fremantle on his shoulders and he has to be the best player like wouldn't it be great just to see like a Nat Fife playing with complete sort of freedom and abandon where he doesn't have to worry about dragging the team across the line every single week 100% and he the leadership can then come from wanting to get the best out of the youngsters around him not having to hold everyone accountable like a captaincy role and I think that's really cool and I think it can be really rejuvenating to put your energy into into kids coming through and not being worried about looking over your shoulder because that's kind of already happened, right? He missed the year yeah. pretty much with injury. So the worst has already happened. So yeah. I, I think it could be really fun to watch him this year and like you say, sort of release the shackles and um, and have a bit of fun with it. So yeah, fingers crossed. That's exactly <laughs> how it goes. And look, if we had a, like, the fact that he missed the final last year, which was the first one we played, yeah. that was sad. And if we mm. had have won the flag last year without him, that would have felt mean. Um, yeah. But I must admit, I was working on the Women's Basketball World Cup at the time, Lauren Jackson and LJ, not a JL, putting on an absolute yeah. clinic. 
And I had said, <laughs> I'm not a union nickname. I'm not sure I'm buying it. If you start calling me CC, I'm going to get real worried. Chips. Um, <laughs> and um, I, when I agreed to do the Women's Basketball World Cup, which I was super excited about doing, I had said to ESPN at the time, I'm just letting you know that if, like, because it was a day off on the grand final day, I said, I will be travelling from Sydney down to Melbourne to to watch the the grand final if Frio's in it. And luckily the boss of ESPN, even though he's based over in the States, is a massive Melbourne supporter and he missed Melbourne's flag because it was in Perth during COVID. So he couldn't get back in for COVID. So he was like, yeah, absolutely, assumed as much. So, yeah, yeah, but I'm glad that, you know, hopefully Fife is a part of something special. I can't wait. I mean, if he was to somehow snag a third Brownlow, imagine the Instagram post <laughs> the day after, like shirtless with three, shirtless with a beanie on and three Brownlows on his bare chest. That's what I want to see. That's going to be <laughs> the front page of the Western Australian. It's a shirtless Nat Fife in his beanie, three Brownlows hanging around his neck. All right, Chips, cool down. <laughs> No, it is, it is fun. And I'm really lucky that I got to be there for both of those brown lows too with, with that. Um, and that second one in particular was was really fun. And <laughs> I've got a photo of me wearing the brown low and, and things like that. So, yeah, he's um he's a gun. Let's be honest, he's a gun. We're, oh, we're big fans of Nat Fife on this show. Nat Fife, uh, Nat Life, that's what we say. Hashtag Nat Life. <laughs> uh, but he is like, I just think he's such a fascinating character because he obviously is incredibly intelligent, thinks about the game very deeply obviously has all this talent, but I think there is this element to him where like some players, they sort of disguise their sort of, they'll downplay their competitive nature or or their ambitions where, you know, he's quite open about the fact that he's competitive with Dusty. You know, he's quite open about the fact that, you know, a year out of football really annoys him. And, you know, we sort of joke, uh, Will and I on this show about like, you know, Nat never knows the names of his teammates. Like he has to be sort of advising you know, <laughs> what his teammates' names are. But that's that's, that's going to be terrible. different this year. But there is like, they, there was that kind of rumour for a while that while he was captain, like he was not great at remembering the names of the first to five year <laughs> players. So I don't know how much truth there is in that, but I ran with it. This year, the, the you know, the big inclusion is, is Luke Jackson, LJ, another... <laughs> Another LJ. Can you believe it? Bloody hell. What do you think that does? Like, because sometimes it can be a blessing and a curse, can't it? Because like, yeah, you get this huge sort of trade in and, you know, it's all, it's all go. But then there's the other thing of like, oh, does it affect team balance? Did we have, the you know, things went great last year. Does this sort of throw things out? Egos, all that kind of stuff. What do you anticipate happening with LJ this year? <laughs> yeah, look, and let's be honest, different circumstances, but we haven't had the best run at it, right? Jesse Hogan, Rory Lobb, like we've, it hasn't been great trying to recruit in those sort of players. But Big I, tools, yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is um, this is different. I feel like we've become a destination club. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. I've got to pour some water on it at some point, Merrily. <laughs> like, all right, you had one good year. <laughs> West Coast fell off a cliff because of COVID and a bunch of other things. Let's just settle down with the destination. Free look. Western Australia, Fremantle, beautiful. Yes, wonderful destinations. <laughs> but I'm not going to give you destination club just yet um no i i think it's really exciting because he can do some pretty special things right and he wants to be with frio so i think that's yeah. the biggest thing in in these sort of trade situations if if a player is traded to a club they don't necessarily want to be at or you know it was, it was messy getting there then 
I or think paid overs or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas I think Peter Bell, so Belly's a great mate of mine. Um, and yes, sorry, I do call him Belly, but everyone calls him Belly. No not, one calls him PB. Peter. No, not PB, not peanut butter. Um, <laughs> although maybe I will start calling him Jelly now that you mention it. <laughs> he he's a really good friend of mine, and and um, I think he's done amazing things with with. And he's genuinely passionate about it. And you talk about intelligence like Nat Fife. He is super intelligent. And he's got such a great sense of humor. He's, he's one of my favorite people in, in footy and favorite people to catch up with when I when I go back to WA. But I think he's he's so smart and he's got such a grounded and um over like overview of, of everything that's happening and, and the good people that are being brought in and the ones that don't necessarily fit in. So as I sort of say, in Belly we trust. <laughs> belly? Yeah. Well, not Jelly? It's got to be Jelly, no, I right? think Glee will be fuming when he finds out that I've nicknamed him Jelly now. No, I think that makes – yeah, I, I agree. Like what he's done with this list build in the last kind of 10 years and like it is hard because Fremantle always has to contend with the idea of being the little brother, mm. don't they? Like that that's they're, they're always going to be li- living in the shadow. And, and so like they I said, should. Last year, they're, they're second and they've had bugger all success. Right. Oh, so is that the, well, we is that the approach you're taking? No, I look. I agree. True. You're talking to a guy who barracks for an, a, a club that's only got one flag, 150 years. We're, we're the only ones with droughts left that's worth mentioning. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah, and we play each other round one, don't we? Are we going? That's right. Uh, well, we I should mean, have recorded I, the I, podcast. Then. <laughs> we could. I just look. I have. I. I've tempted. I think most Saints fans. There was a lot of excitement when Russ came back, and you know they got Lenny back and halves, and you know. But I think the injuries we've had in the last, like over oh. summer, like Max King, Jack Jesus Hayes, Jack Billings breaks his leg. Oh my God! I'm pulling them all out. Don't worry. <laughs> but I've seen so many Saints fans always talking about. Well, it's a very strong draft this year. So let's kind of see where we're going to end up. But you know, this idea of kind of like. Um, you know, living in the shadow of a big West of, of the biggest club in, in WA, is it uh, is it going to take premierships to kind of like even that ledger? Is that the only thing that brings you level? Oh, I think it has to be, doesn't it? It's like I keep bringing this back to basketball. Sorry, I clearly am watching but too so much. Hard. It's like LeBron, it's so hard to like, win flags. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God! It's, yes, it is really hard to win flags, but ultimately that's what it's about, right? I think mm. there are also clubs that you genuinely like because they've built a good culture. And I think that like, – so that I think there's three things. There's, there's flags, which is the number one far and away. There's culture and there's fun to watch. Yeah. So for a while there, Bulldogs, not a big club, but they were fun to watch. So everyone was kind of tuning in just to check out what the doggies were doing, right? Um, mm. That sort of chaotic, fast-paced, fun, entertaining. Play on. Yeah. yeah. Play on at all costs. And so I think footy fans have pretty high IQ and they get onto that pretty quickly. And so that's where, going back to the earlier point, Frio have kind of captured the hearts a little bit of the nation. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I think you need to go back to covering Fremantle, not just being a fan. I didn't realise I was getting this narrowly nervous on the show. I mean, uh, you are like, I've had like one of 15 guests on this uh, and this this series and this is the first time I've, I've thought about cutting the interview short. I just can't take this parochialism. 
But the other thing is you can do it when you're on the East Coast, right? Because no one yeah. else goes to Frio over here. So they're like, yeah. oh, that's cute. Although that I I but that was interesting because when you guys made the grand final was it 2014 was that the grand final that was it 2013 2014, but I went to that um, grand final and I was amazed by how much purple there was at the ground like they kind of all just come from Western Australia there must be some latent sort of like Victorian Fremantle supporters dude the the up until COVID the grand final was only ever going to be in Melbourne. So if your team's ever going to win it and you're going to watch them, you need to come to Melbourne. Like, and, Yeah, and I know, that, but there that, was so much purple there. It didn't feel like it was like 70-30. It felt like, you know, 50-50, if not more purple than there was brown and gold that year. Yeah, but that's – you have to. Like, that's the only way you're going to see it. It was 100%, I would say, 95 Hundred percent, ninety five percent. Sorry, I would say eighty seven percent of the time. Yeah. It works hundred percent of the time. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I would say ninety five percent of those Fremantle fans would have been from Perth. Yeah, right. Because there's just stuff all of us over here, and most people generally are West Coast supporters once they come over here. But um, yeah, I they're very passionate, as you can hear. But if you mm. want to see your team win live, some, you've got to some come would to say Melbourne. annoyingly passionate. <laughs> Mate, you asked me on this thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I really did. I'm starting to regret it, but no. <laughs> Is this the All point right, where so, you call to have my brother back after dumping yeah, him last that's right, I got the wrong meadows. <laughs> All right. Now, controversial question. I mean, you've, you've been very great. I, I'm, I'm joking, of course, and uh, thank you so much for joining us on the show. A very controversial question before we go. Flag mantle. <laughs> Where do you sit on flag mantle? It was everywhere over social media last year. I mean, flag pies, I can get my head around, but flag mantle, where do you sit? Um, I was sent a jumper, a flag mantle jumper, so I have one. I thought about wearing it to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Look, I, in all seriousness, we joke around, but it would mean so much. It really would. Um, you know, I switched from West Coast to Freo, as we discussed the last time I was on, and the crappier a team, the more my heart loves them, and we've been pretty crappy. <laughs> and <laughs> it's so nice when you've sort of been there for the build and, yeah, and the idea of, winning it when it's a good group of humans mm. really tickles my fancy. So, yeah, the idea of, of actually winning one and then just the pressure's off, you know. I think you've misunderstood. I think you've misunderstood my question. I know. You, you're the, saying the word flag mantle, which yes. is a bit crap, but I'm trying yes. to take it down the path of being <laughs> special and meaningful <laughs> And, and you almost threaded that needle. <laughs> uh, hats off to you. Uh, I, I lied. I said that was the last question. I do have one uh, final question. Uh, in the traditional two guys, one cup ranking style, I'm not going to ask you to nominate a finishing position for Frio in 2023, but we're going to break the ladder into top six, middle six, bottom six. Where do you see them finishing? I would hope top six. Would you say top four? I uh, would be very happy, yeah, very happy with with top four I think yeah I think after last year you'd be wanting top four like as in you know the progression it would be a step back but also having said that people within Fremantle have sort of said if we missed out on the eight it still wouldn't be a failure because we're sort of ahead of where we are and then it's like kind of that 
give and take a little bit. So I think they're they're not going to panic no matter what happens. They know internally they're on the right track. Yeah. I mean, I think if Rio do make a grand final, like they will have the entire nation behind them, apart from Saint supporters who are like, oh God, we are definitely going to be on our own when it comes to droughts. <laughs> at least Frio's there with us. I mean, we've been around for 150 years, so like we've lapped you a few times, but at least you don't have one. And, be, and that's something we can uh, hold over you. There'd be something kind of, poetic's too strong a word, but I don't know what the right word is. Maybe you can help me. But if Fremantle win a flag the year that Ross Lyon has come back into <laughs> maybe <laughs> mean back is the right word. It would feel a bit yeah. mean. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you can if you just trade us uh, Andrew Brayshaw, we'll call it even. You win the flag, but then we get Brayshaw the next <laughs> season, we'll, we'll call it even. Oh, dear, you bloody Eastern Coasters. Matthew Pavlich was pretty good too back in the day. I don't know if you've heard of him. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. South Australian, <laughs> right? He's, a, yeah, he's the best footballer from South Australia. <laughs> Narrowly, thank you so much for coming back on Two Guys, One Cup. Um, I genuinely loved watching Frio last year and I, I, I hope they go all the well, almost all the way this year. <laughs> you've maybe taken the shine off it with your, <laughs> with your gross parochialism. Uh, but thank you so much and uh, go the Dockers. Gross parochialism born from crapness. So... <laughs> That's beautiful. That can, that can go on your tombstone. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. CC chip. <laughs> we are two guys, one car.